you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong. We are starting the new year off with with a bang. Uh, I am Rich, of course. I've got Henry with me. How are you, sir? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rich. Yeah, I'm I'm well. Life's good. 2022, eh? Yeah. It doesn't feel like an actual real year number, does it? No, it doesn't. And um, it's been a slight groundhog year for the last couple. So let's hope this one God. is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I would like that to be the case. I This is a weird split in my brain where half of my brain is hugely optimistic and thinks, yeah, you know, Omicron's less serious. It's, it's milder. Yes, there's hospitalizations, but it seems like that sort of replaced the flu at the moment. And the other part of my brain is just like, we're on a loop, we're on a loop. This is just on a loop forever. That's all it's going to be. Yeah, I, I agree. And I hope that we are not looping. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should dive right in, I guess. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. And it's your turn. So I mentioned starting off the year with a bang. I wasn't lying. That is exactly what we're doing. Who have you brought? McCluskey, who are a... Well, they're heading towards proper punk, like hardcore punk, but in a in a kind of modern way so in my head when i was growing up and you talked about punk music you'd think about the sex pistols and so on and and they'd be kind of sticking their middle fingers up at the screen and and swearing these guys are a little bit more it's a bit of a modern twist i guess their songs are more um it's more of a narrative a little bit more satirical a bit more knowing i guess tongue-in-cheek at times yeah and I think we should talk about them because they're a band that aren't very well known, have been picked up by the mainstream, noticed, but never really made it big. So tell us about the band themselves. Who are they? Where are they from? All that good stuff. Yeah, they're from Wales and they are they were a three-piece. So Andy Fulkus, who is the brain of the outfit, or at least the front man, vocals, guitar. There's Jonathan Chappell on bass. And Matthew Harding on drums. I think he was replaced by a guy called Jack Eggleston in 2003. And yeah, so they're a, they're a three-piece. They've got an interesting backstory about meeting, which is, I think, an apocryphal tale. The story they tell is that Fulkus and Harding met at a miners' institute, very Welsh, and then met Chapel at Reading while he was peeing on their tent. <laughs> and so that's how they supposedly got together. It actually sounds like, digging a bit deeper, they met in a double glazing centre and it's an incredibly boring tale. So they constructed (laughs) this little backstory that was a bit more interesting. But uh, yeah, they got together in 1996. Mm -hmm. They actually formed as a band in 1999. Ignore Spotify, their, their first album was released in 2000. The album's My Pain and Sadness is more sad and painful than yours. And uh, that's where they, they got going. But that's not the album that you wanted to focus on today, is it? No, um, and for good reason. So I picked McCluskey Do Dallas, which is their follow-up from a couple of years later. Just jipping back into the backstory. So those of you who know British music well will know of John Peel, who is, uh, I guess, a legend. Absolutely. In broadcasting circles, he's dug out so many bands. McCluskey had a couple of sessions with, with John Peel. If you get a session with John Peel, you're an interesting band. And I think Peel was interviewed later saying 
he didn't have this first album in his whole record collection. So My Pain and Sadness just wasn't there, which annoyed him in an interview. I think he said, because <laughs> he, he likes seeing bands like this, bands that are kind of different, you know, that bands that will wear their heart on their sleeve and go their own way. And that's exactly what McCluskey do. And so he championed them. Interestingly, Steve Lamack didn't. There was an interesting chat from uh, an interview with Fulkus. Apparently he met Steve Lamack and Lamack said, oh, love your work. You guys are brilliant. I think you're fantastic. I mean, some of the best lyricists out there. And Fulkus said, well, you've you've never played us ever on the evening session. And Lamack kind of looked a bit sheepish and wandered off, apparently. Which is crazy because they're exactly the kind of band you'd expect on Steve. They're the band you'd expect on John Peel because... They're everything you've just described, but they're also an incredibly noisy band. You've mentioned old school British punk already, and there's absolutely huge chunks of that in here. I also think they're very grungy. I think there's a Seattle grunge scene influence, and I don't know any of their influences, so I'm guessing at that purely on the sound. But there's that Bleach era Nirvana, and there's early Pixies. In fact, a lot of Pixies type influence in here for my ears. Yeah, they'll say themselves, Pixies are one of their favourite bands ever. And for listeners of the podcast, hang on a second, why aren't we doing the Pixies? It's a good question. I mean, I think the Pixies are a bigger band, than obviously a bigger band than McCluskey. They're the, one of the best bands ever. And I think probably the reason why we're doing McCluskey first is just because you've got to do the Pixies properly. And we've had a, a New Year's break so, <laughs> so we're coming into this a little bit cold it's 100 percent two reasons one i'm scared because i want to do them justice and i'm worried that we won't or i won't and two friend of the podcast neil is a massive pixies fan and i'd love to have him in on that conversation and at the moment we just haven't been able to get that organized yeah so pixies will definitely happen don't worry about that we are not finishing this podcast until we've done the pixies at least twice yeah and Fulker says, uh, there's a quote saying, I consider all our songs to be pop songs, but pop to me has to have melody, a degree of intelligence to it, and just a general feel of excitement. And I think that melody, intelligence, excitement are something that they provide all the time. And the one thing I love about Fulker is he seems to be the kind of guy, I think if he wanted to, could write hit records, but he kind of doesn't want to. He wants to write songs for him and, and he'll put it out there and if the public don't like it, then well, so what? I'm absolutely not disagreeing with you on that. What I would say is there's there's elements of this music that are more difficult. Yeah. His voice is quite a traditional loud, shouty punk, always on the verge of breaking voice, which a lot of people will be put off purely by that. And also some of the guitar work on here is quite angular, more than the traditional, very straight-up, loud, raucous, riffy punk music that people would be used to. Yeah, talking about the sounds, that's probably a nice way to go into talking about McCluskey to Dallas because their first album doesn't really sound like a live album. It sounds okay, but if you listen to interviews from the band, they don't really like the way it's recorded. Once they'd got a bit of success from that, they got in touch with uh, their record company, decided they should work with someone who is more used to working with a kind of raw, clean sound. So they were shipped off to the States to work with Steve Arbini. You probably know Steve Arbini because he produced the Pixies, he produced Nirvana, Breeders, PJ Harvey. He's one of the best at that kind of 
raw punk sounds and he he created that pixie style and i guess you can hear it reflected in mccluskey d dallas it's a similar kind of sound the guitars sound like guitars and the bass sounds like a bass it's it's just a nice clean way of recording it's clean but it's also noisy and fuzzy as fuck it's lo-fi in terms of it's a three-piece so there's only so much you can do with the instruments that you've got there but everything feels very vibrant and alive yeah and let's let's cut to the chase these guys are they don't mince their words in an interview talking about bob dylan volga said bob dylan's a whiny little maggot who needs a kick (laughs) (laughs) he's not going to hold back on this stuff and the opening song for McCluskey D. Dallas is called Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues, which isn't going to make them appealing to a chunk of people. Well, this is how I found them, was being dragged into his first year room in halls by a certain Mr. Lawrence Fielding, who desperately, desperately wanted to play me this track. Yes, and that's exactly how I was introduced as well. And I don't know how he had stumbled across them, just downloaded some kind of massive cache of mp3s <laughs> from don't know the university server somewhere but i heard them at the same time and and it was funny and they had a whole back catalogue of songs like this which were to my student ears that kind of noisy raw slightly against the man kind of setup that, that works quite well at university that's really interesting to me because I had always assumed that you'd already known McCluskey for a while by that point, and it was purely that Loz had got excited about showing them off to me. So I've come across them before because I, I I remember them from the John Peel sessions, and I, I didn't buy the album off the back of that, but I knew of them. I also vividly, before university, have an Im- image of a piece of artwork. It must have been in an old like NME or one of those old magazines you can google it it's it's an image of the band and you know back in the late 90s where all bands were like sitting up against the wall facing camera with kind of nice clean hair (laughs) kind of looking a little bit distant that classic 90s band for a magazine photo shoot mccluskey have clearly been asked to stand up against the wall and do the same thing but instead of the band all standing up against the wall looking into camera one of them has turned side on and has just decided to have a fag and is <laughs> smoking this thing 90 degrees to camera as if to say, fuck this, I'm not interested in this photo shoot. And I loved it because it's so subtly putting the middle finger up to that kind of 90s style. And we'll come on to the end of McCluskey and I'll cover this bit a bit later, but it just shows that the way they operate is we will not conform just because you want us to. Absolutely. And the other thing that I love about Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues, now that we're on it, is, I mean, it's one of many things I love about this song. The lyrics are bonkers and brilliant and absolutely all over the place. But one of the things that I found around the same time, possibly almost immediately after Loz playing it to us, was there's a site that is sort of now buried in the annals of pre- facebook and memes and tiktok and all that kind of stuff called rathergood.com do you remember rather good i do remember rather good yeah do you remember the punk kittens on rather good playing yes. lightsaber cocksucking blues I now do. there is i've just checked and 
someone has very kindly put it on YouTube. So I am going to find that link and try and remember to put it in the description for this podcast because it's absolutely ridiculous and brilliant and reflects the song really brilliantly. And I, I don't think they have anything to do with McCluskey, although I'm guessing McCluskey probably found out about this and I'm guessing probably approved. But it yeah. was just part of the rather good... They, they'd done stuff with like Electric Six songs and things like that as well. And a song called We Like the Moon, which is also mad and brilliant. But yeah, I I love what this sound sort of inspired in other people. The thing that gets me about this song is that it's clearly a kind of shouty punk song straight away. Um, yeah. And yes, <laughs> it's a shouty punk song. Then at 1 minute 20, his voice starts just kind of completely breaking down. And it's almost as if he's his, his voice is gone and we're only what 80 seconds into the album and then at one minute 30 they speed up and you're already going into a fast punk song and then suddenly it gets faster and it's it's a proper kicking the door down approach to um song one on an album it's an absolutely brilliant way to kick off an album i completely agree and for some reason my favorite bit of the whole song is him screaming i'm fearful i'm fearful i'm fearful of flying and flying is fearful of me down the microphone it's just amazing yeah They've got loads of lines like this that, that that are brilliant. So a bit later in the album, there's College and Rock, which mm-hmm. is lovely, a bit more subtle, slower song with a lyric. The little kid pissed on the big kid's porch. He thinks he's amazing. He's rubbish, of course. And it's just a, <laughs> they've got a lovely way of putting people down gently. Uh, and I guess that they, that's the style in College and Rock. Yeah, it's great. And there's so much fun lyricism in here and and I hadn't really listened too much to this album and I'm guessing that you'll come on to one of the other songs that I do know properly on here but it struck me just listening through it how many times I just had a little smirk or laugh at a lyric that was just thrown in there and then twisted yeah halfway through the album there's a song very quiet song called fuck this band it's almost like an interlude the lyric fuck this band because they swear too much just it's it's yep. little things like that which you, you kind of smirk all the way through an album it, it's quite clever and at the end of it they they say if you if they split up you're responsible and it's kind of true you know if mccluskey split up which they eventually did it's the audience's fault for not not liking them enough <laughs> all right so we've sort of dipped into a, a couple of spots are there particular tracks on here that you really think bring out the best of mccluskey uh their best song on the album is to hell with good intentions and that's a song which has to be listened to the yelling of the line we take more drugs than a touring funk band sing it is (laughs) absolutely wonderful and it just has this uh headline song style i guess and it is one of their their most well-known songs so yeah i would i would put that way up there and then um beyond that gareth brown says is another is another classic in fact i was going to read out some gareth brown says lyrics but you can kind of read the entire lyrics list out and (laughs) it's it's well worth a look i'm glad you mentioned to hell with good intentions because that is the other one that i knew off this album and i almost didn't associate it with mccluskey because it's a bit more i don't know almost emo-ish in a way and it it was a song I knew without knowing it was McCluskey but it's it's an absolute belter of a track yeah it is and that's probably the one that 
I would go back to now. Yeah. If I don't have time to listen to the full album, that's worth putting on. Gareth Brown says, I've just got to read out some of the <laughs> some of the lyrics because uh, all of your tales are lies. You've never been to Alton Towers. Michael Caine doesn't follow you and you've never been to Spain. It's um <laughs> just uh, Alton Towers was a big thing in my youth and that the put down of you've never been there was would cut deep. <laughs> yeah, it's that classic kid in school or late teens, early twenties bragging about stuff when you know they're full of shit. It's Jay from the Inbetweeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and s- someone putting him in his place. Uh, yeah, and and that's McCluskey all over. So that's their style. That's the album. It's super fast. It wears his heart on its sleeve. I'm gonna skip to the end of, of McCluskey which happened in 2005 just because it felt like a bit of an end of an era. They played their final gig in 2005. It was the year that John Peel died and it was, yeah, maybe they played their official final gig without an asterisk <laughs> in 2005. Uh, and also there's a chat, a, an interesting line in the quietest um, talking about uh, the enemy uh, and Conor McNicholas, who is the editor Uh, He said he'd instigated a policy of reserving the pages of his magazine for the exclusive appearance of musicians who had good hair and good shoes. Now, I'm not sure if that's the quietest having a bit of a dig, but it does kind of make sense that from 2005 onwards, the idea of a bald, shouty frontman in trainers really didn't fit in with the kind of commercial aesthetic of the enemy. Yeah, and I think that was around the time that I started to get a bit of a fuck enemy attitude of it felt more like they were trying to discover bands who could go on and be massive so you know the next Coldplay the next REM the next U2 they were they were constantly looking for that band that they'd find them when they were small muse and sort of be able to claim some level of credit for that trajectory to them being a massive arena band and Bands like McCluskey didn't really fit into that. And we started to see the rise of, well, Pitchfork, for example, at that point, who became much more of an authentic voice in that world and pushing bands who actually had talent but were not mainstream and were sort of in this edge area of being amazing but not necessarily popular. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's it. And then they, um, they stopped... But then they kind of phoenixed and formed a new band called Future of the Left, who a few of you might know, they they almost had as much fame as McCluskey in my book and well worth a listen. In fact, I bought two Future of the Left albums. Because which ones? I bought Curses, which was their, their first um, album, which is a fairly long one. And I thought it was quite good, but... The one I did buy in 2012 was The Plot Against Common Sense, which is absolutely bonkers. It's a little bit like Focus has just thrown all of the shackles off and just gone slightly off the wall uh, in a kind of brilliant way. There are songs on there like Robocop 4, Fuck Off Robocop, which... <laughs> I was just looking at that. So so the, that song is actually really interesting because it's a song about sequels movie sequels and how movies have become completely commercialized mm-hmm. and so why bother trying to think of something new when you can just commercialize an existing one and there's a lyric in there saying 
if we want Michael Bay to have a bigger house, let's give it to him. In a kind of, if all you want as a consumer is just to watch the same thing over and over again, then okay, we'll do that. Don't listen to something innovative and, and new. And you can just tell he's someone with a lot of intelligence and he's probably looking at the commercial world going, fuck, I've got so much more to offer than that, but the public just don't want it. <laughs> so. Right, and that's often an issue for these kind of rock bands that are talented but not necessarily i don't want to say not dull because i think some big mainstream rock bands can be quite interesting but certainly they're they're a bit odd for the general public yeah listening now to robocop 4 it is not it's not what people would consider easy listening i like it i like the sound of it but yeah you talked about them being almost as big as McCluskey or as important as McCluskey I think they were a band who have had almost more recognition during the time they existed yeah than McCluskey who large chunks of their fame and recognition came well after yeah I think that's fair that's that is fair and part of the reason for me going straight back to the McCluskey album is because of that is because they kind of they got buried by what early 2000s so it's kind of emo just flattened it yep and between them and the kind of rise of hip-hop they just didn't really get a look in well it was hip-hop and pop at the very start of the decade and then you had that second wave of Britpop-ish indie that came in yeah and that was it for guitar bands really didn't seem to be much space for anything that was interesting unless you deliberately were looking for it outside the mainstream yeah so yeah i kind of feel sorry for them in a way and yeah you kind of read interviews and he's a very interesting man to the point where he's clearly intellectual and curious to the point where he'll probably might even take a look at this take a listen and go oh fuck off these guys don't know what they're talking about and and, <laughs> and, and, and give up after five minutes but that's the kind of person i would picture him to be if he has a listen to this and we've got plenty of stuff wrong let's face it that's why we called the podcast that then please come on and tell us exactly what we got wrong yeah well the, i actually listened to a podcast that he did with another uh who was it there was a there was a podcast remarkably similar to ours <laughs> talking about bands that didn't get a proper look in and he actually appeared on it and they actually had music clips all the way through their all of their <laughs> podcasts so how they've pulled that one off without getting copyrighted to hell i don't know but there's loads and loads of bands full of music it's worth listening to cool i can't remember who they are so um (laughs) they're not going to get a plug but anyway yeah i'm rambling now but yeah (laughs) all right well let's get back on track have you seen them live no because i was sick (gasps) i was going to go and see them live and i had tickets to them it was just after university Mm -hmm. and i just don't know why but i was i was proper ill they were playing in london and a friend of mine had tickets fuck and i missed it and the worst thing is you I think there's a clip of them playing online. There are actually some brilliant live YouTube videos of them. Mm-hmm. Go and watch them play. Um, McCluskey playing lightsaber cocksucking blues. There's a great one floating around on there. Or good shout for Future of the Left with Beneath the Waves and Ocean. Have a look at them playing that in the Bulling Gate because you just get this kind of absolute wave of bass. Um, there's this amazing kind of bass riff that gets played in that one. That's well worth a look. But no, so so sadly, I missed that one. 
hopefully they will reform and then I can actually <laughs> see them in person. You said you had seen them. Yeah, I was going to say, you say hopefully they will reform. They have on and off. In 2014, they reformed as McCluskey with an asterisk. And this was two of the original three, plus a couple of folks, I think, from Future of the Left. They've been asked many, many times, would they do a reunion tour, all that kind of jazz over the years? And they sort of didn't really want to do it, but they missed playing the old songs. And so they reformed for just a couple of gigs and they also played 2000 trees which is a festival that i only went to once but it's a favorite of max and chris who are friends of mine and listen to this podcast from time to time and probably listen to this one there is a stage at trees called the cave and it's where they put all the loud metal and or punk stuff the really loudest of stuff goes on that stage or did back then it's sort of all gone a bit punk and emo now uh, as a festival but but back then it was a bit more mixed and I remember they annoyingly clashed with someone else so I didn't get to see their whole set but I got the final third ish of their set and I was really annoyed because I was convinced that they'd finished with lightsaber cock sucking blues and it turns out they played it probably three songs before I got there ah oh, disaster yeah bit, bit of a shame but it was awesome seeing them but this is the thing that I kind of go back to, and I don't know whether it's a McCluskey thing, but you listen to the anecdote about Steve Lamack not playing them, but saying they're great, but not actually engaging. And then you think about, I, I love them, and the fact that they're, we're talking about them, you know, at least that counts for something, but I've never seen them at a gig. And it's kind of, I don't know, in the right mood, they're fantastic, but it's that kind of really narrow, you've got to be in a McCluskey mood to want to listen to McCluskey. Yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one for me. I kind of feel like if I was Fulcus, I would despair a little bit that they're not better known and wouldn't know why. And I can't explain it either. <laughs> it's Maybe they're just too punk. I think they are... And we talked about this with someone last year and I can't remember exactly who it was. I think they're a band out of time. Yeah, I think they're a band who, if they'd been around when punk was massive in the 70s and early 80s, or if they'd been around when grunge was a thing in the what early to mid 90s, I think they, they could potentially have really caught fire and been yeah. a massive, massive band in those scenes. But they just weren't the right thing at the right time for the mainstream. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Be interesting actually now if a mini focus appeared with that kind of attitude and started producing music now, whether that would just get picked up because they're very much a non-conformist type of band. Which yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting if the algorithms would pick up a band like <laughs> McCluskey now, given that so much of internet content is is driven by by you know machine learning and. AI spreading the words rather than humans. Yeah. I would love it if a few people have a listen to their stuff off the back of this podcast and realise that they're loud and shouty and great. Yeah. Would it be rude to call them sub-pixies? I don't think so. I think Fulkers would probably quite like that comparison. I don't think anyone's going to argue with being compared to bands like Pixies, Early Nirvana and the punk bands you mentioned earlier on i think generally speaking they'd be perfectly happy to put put in that company yeah did they inspire you to go on and listen to other things or were they one of many loud rock punk bands you've listened to over the years 
uh, I instantly got into Future of the Left, obviously because of the connection. So when they appeared, I, I heard the music and thought, I know this, and then, and then got the connection. It was like, yeah, I've, I've got to listen to this stuff because it's it's good. And there's they, they've got a, a really good back catalogue. Arming Eritrea, The Plot Against Common Sense, a couple more tracks that are just well worth listening to. Really, really solid songs. So yeah, it didn't really take me in any kind of wild directions because as you say, a lot of this stuff's been done before. And also you were already a massive fan of Loud and Shouty, so... Yeah. And Clever Lyrics. Uh, the thing is, I don't think I really caught on to them enough back then. I actually think I might listen to them more now that we've talked about them for the podcast because I think I thought Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues was a funny song and then sort of forgot about them, which is doing them such a massive disservice that... I think I owe it to them to go and have a few proper listens to their their album and maybe see if we can see them live again, given that they're touring this year. Well, you, you, I'm genuinely interested in that, just because a lot of live gigs that you see on online, you get a good feel for the kind of band that they are, and just go and find a couple of their live forms. You'll suddenly understand, I think, they're very much a, a made-for-live band. They're, they're very good. They're very clean. The guitar playing and this and... <laughs> the yelling singing it is done very well so if that whets your appetite then um i encourage you to seek them out absolutely all right cool good to scratch that particular itch henry uh it's been a good one thank you you lot for joining us hopefully we'll be we'll be back fairly regularly this year it might, it might not be every single week but we'll certainly try and get get episodes out as much as we can yeah exactly that's a, that's a good ambition let's do that cheers everyone thank you all thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong 